Welcome to The Map of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 32nd episode, I'll be talking to Art Lee Vasquez, artist, blogger, and cartoon expert about animated sequels produced by Filmation, specifically Happily Ever After and Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. Along the way, we'll discuss how to find the very best cheesecake in Brooklyn, discovering the power of how not to be nice, and why, long before Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones, Brave Star was the most daring show of its time. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and let you know how you can become a guest on the map of you. But before we get to the interview, there's something I have to say. Cut the music. That's better. Now, for those of you who follow me on Twitter, this is not going to be any news, but shortly before I posted last week's episode, I got laid off from my job. It was a complete surprise, came in the middle of the week, in the middle of the day even, and both the team that I manage and, well, I, were caught completely by surprise. Kimiko was also made redundant in November, and we've got a baby on the way at the end of July. So while things aren't dire at the moment, things have become slightly more precarious. In what some might say is a moment of weakness, but I like to consider a moment of trust, I opened up on Twitter and I said, Hi guys, I've just been laid off. This is my situation. I never talk about job stuff on here. Here is the link to my Patreon. And like what happens when you trust people that you know, as long as you're not asking them to name a boat. The internet delivered. And my Patreon went up by about 75%. It was pretty great. I'll be going through the full list of thank yous at the end of the show where I usually do, but I just wanted to say up front, thanks, all of you. You're amazing. And everyone who listens to the show and everyone who retweeted it and everyone who just spread the word, you're amazing too. I'm still occasionally blown away that people want to listen to my little show where I talk to people about cartoons from the 80s and VHS tapes and comic books and God knows what else. But sincerely, thank you. Anyway, enough of that feelings and emotions and stuff. We join this conversation already in progress. So for those who may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? Oh, okay. Well, I guess I would call myself a cartoon enthusiast. And when I say that, I pretty much mean cartoons run my life. Every so often, I will tell all of my friends that I am a giant child that never grew up and you're going to have to deal with it. It has been my kind of goal in life to educate people in the ways of animation, cartoons, Japanese anime, American, you know, Western anime, things like that. I actually have a very decent following of friends who rely on me to say, hey, I've seen X, Y, and Z cartoon. What do you think of it? And should I let my children watch it? There have been recommendations that I've given to people on what they should and should not let their children watch and then there are the ones who are trying to get into like Japanese anime and they're like oh what's a good starter series for me and let me look into that and I'll give them like a list of stuff to kind of watch I am just a giant cartoon character and I'm okay with that 
It's cool being the recommendation engine. I get that for comics a lot. It'll be like, right, you know, my, my son went to see that Avengers movie. What comics should he read? I'm like, all right. Sit down, get a pen. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Of course, if you're going to be recommending anime of, for a kid, of course, you're going to go straight to, you know what? You want Elfin Lied? You want a, like a lady with <laughs> telekinetic powers who's ripping people apart, who's actually a two-year-old. Yeah, it's a whole thing. I actually made a joke one time that somebody they asked, because I have like friends online, and one of them said, what's a good anime to watch? And I did the classic book on No Pico. Mm. <laughs> and they got and then I told them don't google that and then they googled it and next thing I got was hate mail I was like how could you do that to me I'm like I told you not to look it up <laughs> I warned you <laughs> you didn't have to listen my friend Annie is that friend for me uh -huh. where it's like she'll come over and be like alright we're getting pizza and I've brought you a random thing off my shelf which is how I do you know uh, Midori Days yes yeah I that, do that, that show is weird as hell <laughs> it's so weird it is so weird just like what is this it's like, and i've seen like every, i've seen like random episodes of it i'm like oh okay i guess oh yeah you That's know not, sure a major character is just referred to as creepy doll otaku and it's like everyone's okay with this <laughs> right <laughs> i love the fact that when you watch certain types of animation there's just like a genre that they're put into or like this caricature of what you think they are going to be and then you watch the show it's like oh i did not expect that it's like okay this was not the character i thought it was going to be awesome let's let's keep watching let's see how this goes. let's start at the beginning where did you grow up i grew up in brooklyn new york i grew up in brooklyn when nobody else wanted to live in brooklyn now it's all hip and everybody wants to live there and they think it's all great and whatnot but i grew up basically in the early 80s to 90s era. So I grew up downtown Brooklyn near the Brooklyn Bridge. And my mom still lives there with my brother and stuff. And every time I go in that area, I'm just like, I walk around like Fort Greene Park and over by Brooklyn Bridge Park. I'm like, oh yeah, this was, this used to be nice to live. And now it costs $2,000 for a studio apartment. <laughs> that's why I moved. That's, that's exactly why I moved. But you know, there are certain things there that I still love to see like juniors downtown Brooklyn, the place to get the best cheesecake in in Brooklyn who are, if you're gonna come to New York if you're gonna come into Brooklyn you can't leave without getting a slice of Junior's cheesecake and I don't care what anyone says it's the best thing in Brooklyn now that they got the the Barclay Center and stuff over there it's nicer but I miss old New York <laughs> for lack of a better term you miss that inspired tons of comics about street crime in New York New York Yes, yes, that warrior style, taking the train to Coney Island, New York. Exactly. That's my New York. That's my Brooklyn. I've talked about it a lot on the podcast because it's, it's fairly recent. It only mm -hmm. happened in November. But I did actually mm -hmm. spend six days in New York for the very first time. And I, it took me a very long time into my adulthood to say, yes, I will go and visit New York. Because, like you said, I was picturing, you know, Law and Order New York. I was picturing, you know, Daredevil <laughs> Hell's Kitchen New York. And I'm like, uh -huh. okay, you know, I'll visit. It'll be an adventure. What the hell? And I visited. And on the first night... You didn't happen to go down to 42nd Street and get accosted by the random cartoon characters, did you? <laughs> no. I avoided that place like <laughs> the plague. Thank you very much. <laughs> Look, for as long as I've grown up, no one really goes down to 42nd Street unless you are looking. It's it's basically a tourist trap. Yeah. At least it, it is now. Like, you don't go to the Empire State Building, to the top of the rock. No one goes to 42nd Street on New Year's unless you're actually go unless you, like, have a set spot to go to. <laughs> and that's it. And then, 
And Central Park is not as bad as it sounds anymore, guys. It's okay. You can still go there. So it's like East Broadway, kind of down around yes. like Hester and Canal and stuff. And that's where a couple, uh, of my, yes. a couple of my friends lived there. And their first night in the city, they took us out for pizza, which was amazing. They, they got the pie yeah. wrong, but we didn't care. Uh-huh. And we then had to smooth things over with the table next door because we got their pizza and ate their pizza. Oh, yes, because the pizza there, the pizza in that area is great. I used to go down towards the other end where NYU is because that's where all the good like ramen spots and stuff like that are. Oh, yeah. I only had my really good friend, Janice. Me and her like will randomly walk across the Brooklyn Bridge and just go get like ramen in those areas. Mm-hmm. I'm slowly trying to teach her daughter random Spanish and Japanese words because I always <laughs> told her if you leave her at the house, if she comes back speaking Spanish, that's my husband's fault. If she comes back speaking Japanese, that's my fault. <laughs> if she comes back speaking Czech, I got nothing for you. Sorry. If she's, look, I, you, got one, you got one out of three, okay? If she randomly speaks French, I'm blaming all uh, YouTube. <laughs> After I went and had pizza with my friends Olivia and Terrence, I basically said, all right, look, you know, because I, I really love but just kind of wandering cities. I'm a, I'm a walker. I'm a walker of places. I, I will often pick yes. a spot on the map, even in Sydney, and just like walk and go places. I'm like, all right, look, you know, I'd love to do that. However, I don't want to hit anywhere sketchy and get into trouble or do something where, you know, having a camera is going to get someone in my face. And, there, and his response right. is, look, dude, New York's pretty cool now, especially the areas you're going to be walking. Don't even worry about it. And so, yeah, and I did. And, and yeah, honestly, like I had no problem. Like, although the only, the only pain in the ass is we were staying at an Airbnb in Williamsburg, which meant I always had to coordinate my oh. movements where I could get back to the L train. <laughs> which oh, meant, I am so sorry. Oh, my God. The nice thing was is that there were good things. We were at the end of a two-week holiday where we went all over the place. And so we, there were days where it's like, you know, we don't want to do anything. Like, we want to sleep in. And the nice thing about Williamsburg is that what we thought was just like a convenience store on the corner was an artisanal cheese shop uh-huh. that would do okay. us like an amazing pastrami sandwich with, you know, uh-huh. with cherry jam and like Brussels sprouts and stuff on good bread. And it's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'll accept that. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. It, it, it... Yeah, you, you kind of got to go a little further down, like going towards like the Bushwick area because that's where all the really good like food is and whatnot I tend to tell people I steer clear of Williamsburg if you can help it because (laughs) there's no reason to go there unless you know someone who lives there and yeah and it's mostly because of the L train anyone who lives in New York knows the L train is the, literally the seventh layer of hell. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time when like, I was out on my own because Kimiko stayed at the, at the flat and I had done some uh-huh. shopping. Like, I had done some wandering around, took some pictures and then did like, like bought a couple of things and was like, all right, all right, I know the L train goes this way. But for some reason, I was on a station on the wrong side of the street mm-hmm. than the, the one that would go out to where we were staying. So instead, I was instead just watching every other train go by. Yeah, it tends to do that sometimes. The indicator board was broken. And so I had to wait for the train to stop and like look inside to see that lit up map, see which way it was going. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I know if it go, okay, if it's going, if it turns there, then I can take it. If it mm-hmm. doesn't, I can't take it. I'm not getting on the wrong train. You know, I'm too tired. And I was standing there with these two heavy ass bags and my arms were killing me. And I'm just like, you know what? Like after like maybe 25 minutes of, of like, you know, panicking every time a train came up, like, is it mine? Is it mine? Is it mine? No, fuck no. Okay. I basically just walked up the stairs, <laughs> stepped out onto uh-huh. the, the sidewalk, uh, like caught an uh-huh. Uber, and I'm just like, just just take me back. I, I don't care. Right. <laughs> and it was like, I don't yeah. mind if it's a $20 Uber. I do not care. 
I just want to be home. Like someplace where I can sit down and put these bags down. <laughs> Congratulations. That is the misery of the L train. Everybody <laughs> hates that. Everyone hates that line. Like it's always broken. You're always trying to get something taken care of on there. Every every so often it'll be down for a year and nobody knows why. <laughs> and then you're just like, all right, so how am I getting home? Like you're taking a bus into the city and then possibly catching the L or you're just walking to the next J train stop. I'm like, ah, oh, this is happening. Awesome. I have no tra- I have no way of getting home. Comparatively, Sydney's train network is this rattle trap mm-hmm. old thing and there's constant delays and you like sometimes there'll be like a minute between trains and if you get one instead of the other, then you know, you'll end up in a completely different part of town. And uh, it happens to me on the way to work a whole bunch is that if I get if I get the the Gordon train instead of the Macquarie train, it'll look the same up until Chatswood and the next stop will be either a wrong stop or a right stop. And if it's a wrong stop, that's a half hour round trip to get me back. But so what I heard was Australia has the same metro station as New York. Sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah. So Maryville, where I used to live, had a really old train station. Like it was like just like mm-hmm. a train track with like some concrete on either side. So they decided they were renovating it to make it much more accessible. Except for that renovation took a year and a half, and it took mm-hmm. what was a staircase down to the platform, and turned it into. Uh, I timed it once a four and a half minute walk as you went down the street, around the corner, through a bunch of shops, down a staircase, up the platform, across a flyover staircase down the staircase to the platform. And it was one of those things where just as you turned after like tapping on your Opal card, it's just long enough that if you see your train pull up, if you sprint that, if you really go, you will get there just in time for the doors to shut and miss you. That (laughs) actually sounds like having to go from one spot. You know what that reminds me of? It's Atlantic Atlantic Terminal. (laughs) Because it's like a hub for the LIRR and a multitude of like trains. If you miss one by a minute, you're literally standing there for another 12 minutes. Like, well, I'm not going to work. I'm going home. Screw this. <laughs> yeah, the, the most annoying thing about Merrickville, though, was that I lived there for about a year. And I was doing that like on the daily to get to work. And then I saw they put up an announcement saying, oh, the renovations are going to be over. And I looked at it and I said, it's literally three months after my lease ends when I moved to a new oh. house. So it's like they I, they had the construction the entire time I lived in that suburb. And three months after mm-hmm. I left, they finished it. And now it's like super easy to access. <laughs> oh, God. That literally sounds like my life before, I'm, before I got my car. I, I don't think I could ever ride the train again. And I keep telling my mom this when I come visit. I'm like, is there any way we can drive there? I don't want to take the train. It scares me now. <laughs> See, my girlfriend was living in an area where you can pretty much only get to by car. Meanwhile, I don't drive. And so... Not just that I didn't learn, but we haven't had a car. So it was one of those things where she had a car and when we started going out, it's like, oh, you know, we can drive places. And then whenever she'll ride the train or the bus, she'll be like like a kid on a ride. Like, this is interesting. Is this what people do? It's so weird. This isn't a car. I don't have to think about parking. And she's got this big smile <laughs> on her face. <laughs> just like it's Right, exactly. It, it's just the train. People do this all the time. Really? And do they like it? No. No, everyone hates it. No. They hate it. They hate it horribly. (laughs) I know that feeling. All right. So thinking back to your kind of Brooklyn, what sort of kid were you? Okay. So I am the only girl of, on my mom's side, uh, cousin-wise. So all my cousins are boys. I've got a little brother. Growing up, I was kind of the 
black sheep, not just for only being a girl, but because there were things that I liked as a kid that my cousins thought I was weird. So I, I'm heavy set. So my cousins would always pick on me and things like that. So I used to use cartoons and things as an outlet because cartoons don't pick on you. Cartoons like you. They don't care what you're doing. You just sit there and watch them. I was the kid who used to like tumble and stuff like that. So I, I played kickball. I, I used to pretend I was a gymnast. I did do gymnastics for some times. I guess I was kind of that kid that just used to want to be friends with everybody, but realized growing up, you don't have to be friends with everybody. And I think that kind of cemented me growing up as kind of a cynical, snarky, and to an extent, semi-mean person. I don't want to say mean in the way that I am just outright rude to some people, but if I can get a sense of, like, if, I, if I'm having a conversation with someone, I can tell already if I'm going to like them or not, or if they say something that is just completely, like, outlandish, and it's like, you, why, why didn't your mother swallow you? What the hell, man? I mean, seriously. <laughs> that kind of... I'm that kid. Like, I was I was really, like, reserved growing up. But as I got older, I was just like, people are assholes. <laughs> like, I don't have to be like you. I'm going to be different. And people are going to either hate me or love me. And I don't care how it shows me as a person because I know how I am and I know how I can be to people. So... If I could go back and talk to maybe like 10-year-old Artley and just say like, look, people are assholes. People are always going to be assholes. Your cousins are jerks, but they're boys. They'll grow up and they'll go over it. You keep being awesome. And trust me, when you get older, people will appreciate it. And that's enough. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, that's I, I was just talking to my friend Jen about this, where it's like the idea that a lot of us have to get over this concept of, oh, you have to be nice. Right. You have to be nice to people who don't deserve it. What I struggle with is because, hey, I'm Canadian, as you might have heard from my accent. and I have. <laughs> so, I mean, there's the jokes <laughs> about Canadians being nice. But, I mean, even in addition to that, I'm not super cool with conflict. I never have been. And so if I can talk my way out of something, chances are I'm going to try for that. And I'm going to try and go for a compromise. But in, like, for example, in my job and in other aspects of my life, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 35 in a month. I think I'm getting to the point where if I don't want to do something, I'm now getting to the point where I get angry and I say, no, I'm not actually going to do that. I'm not. That's ridiculous. You know, you asking me to do that yeah. is asking me to be a doormat. And so I'm not going to. Right. But what I've found, because I am not as practiced or consistent with how I clap back at people, instead of getting the, oh, wow, I should listen to him because he's being assertive, I instead get people who will arc up right back at me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this, this is not how it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to get mad and you're supposed to back down. Right, exactly. When you when you meet somebody who actually doesn't back down and kind of has that confrontation about them, you're like, all right, this obviously isn't going to work. I'm going to have to change up my strategy. Either I can walk away or I can keep getting in arguments with you. Most of the times I have headphones on, so I can ignore you. <laughs> you can go to hell. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, Arlie, initially when you wanted to come on the show, you sent me an email mm -hmm. with a title mm -hmm. that I am going to quote verbatim. Okay. I got an email and I opened it up and the title says, Want to hear about the Snow White Pinocchio sequels? And so, <laughs> yes, I would like to hear about the Snow White and Pinocchio sequels. And so now I turn the mic over to you. Okay, so since we're roughly about the same age, 
I'm going to hope that you're familiar with like She-Ra, He-Man oh, sure. yeah, and yeah. those Saturday morning cartoons, right? Yeah. So the production company that produced them is called Filmation. And Filmation has actually a very extensive history when it comes to animation and producing and things like that. It's actually one of my favorite animation companies that is now defunct and it really hurts my feelings because they made a a lot of really good either tv shows animations or animated movies so uh, some of the more notable ones are he-man she-ra brave star they did the ghostbusters the 1970 version ghostbusters with the gorilla i don't know if you've (laughs) ever heard of that one oh i have i Um, did never get to see it it never aired in canada but I did, yeah. I do know of it, which is why it's the real Ghostbusters. Right, exactly. It's the real Ghostbusters before the actual real Ghostbusters that came out in the 80s was. So in that time frame, they also did like Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, which was one of my favorite shows, like watching on DVD and like syndication and stuff like that. So they did also a lot of movies that they produced. When I was growing up, my mom would take me and my little brother to Blockbuster Video and we would have like kind of movie nights. She would let us rent the tape you know we would have it for x amount of days and then most times we would just like keep the rentals every so often so i'm this kid just walking around looking to see what kind of like new cartoons and stuff like that are out and i see these two tapes one is called happily ever after and there's another one called pinocchio and the emperor of the night these two were some of the last films produced by filmation before they went defunct and they are for lack of a better term the unofficial sequels to the Disney properties of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and Pinocchio. So I see the covers and I like the covers because on the Happily Ever After one, it's it's quote unquote Snow White surrounded by seven dwarves, but they're not actually the males, they're female dwarves. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, what is this? So I grab it off the shelf, I look at it, the cover's really nice. It's got all these great voice casts, like voice actors and things like that. It has Irene Cara playing Snow White. It's got Ed Asner and Frank Welker in it. Zsa Zsa Gabor, for crying out loud, in this movie. Holy shit, I just looked this up. Phyllis Diller is in this movie. Yeah. Dom DeLuise, Carol yes, Channing. Phyllis- Holy crap. Right? Freaking Malcolm McDowell Ooh. is the villain. Malcolm McDowell plays a villain named Malice. Oh my God, how could you not love this movie? And so be advised, it is available. Both of them are available on YouTube. I look, they're only about 90 plus minutes, maybe an hour 15. If you get a chance, you should kind of look it up because one, I like the story behind it. So for the happily ever after, it's the after. It's the villains and the evil queen's castle are kind of just like hanging out, and her brother just kind of swoops in and is like, hey, what the hell are you guys doing? Where's my sister? You know, that's when he finds out that, you know, his sister's been killed by a Snow White and the Prince. Well, technically the dwarves and the Prince, but we're not going to go there. He basically seeks revenge. It kind of reminds me of the Swamp Princess sequels where oh, after yes. the main villain dies, you know, ugh, not going to go there. But Oh, yeah, by the way, anybody interested in those Swan Princess sequels, former guests of the show, Kit Walker and Annie Creighton, have a podcast called I Will Fight You, and they do recaps of both the first Swan Princess movie and the Swan Princess Christmas, which are so bad. I actually listened to both of those, oh, you and have? I oh. loved it. I have. So many teeth. I have, yeah. So many teeth. It's <laughs> so many teeth. I kind of felt bad when they were listening to it. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry you guys had to sit through that. I'm sorry, Annie. I know it it was rough. (laughs) But 
the the reason why I really liked these two particular movies because one, it had the great cast in it. Like I knew Irene Cara from Fame, Frank Welker, who doesn't know Frank Welker? Come on, this is it's a no brain. Frank Welker goes so far back he used to do dog voices for Elvis. Right. Like, he'd be like, Hey, hey man, do that funny looking dog and he's like, Which what breed of dog? Exactly. My favorite quote about Frank Welker is from John DiMaggio in one of the Futurama commentaries. Frank can do a flock of ducks being sucked into a jet engine in one take and he'll ask you, What kind of ducks? <laughs> <laughs> Rubber ducks. What do you think? What kind of du- what is wrong with you? And how could you not love Eastern reticulated ducks. Really? <laughs> but thank you. Exactly. It's like, what the hell, dude? And then it has like Dom DeLuise who plays the magic mirror and he's like rhyming as he's talking to Malice. And then it's, oh God. This, so when I was growing up, I, I actually remember this movie because of the Dwarfels. Yes, they're called Dwarfels. They are the cousins to the seven dwarves. Now the difference between... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let that sink in. Seems legit. <laughs> it seems legit. So apparently, on the way to getting married, Snow White and the prince, who in this version of the prince, instead of him being this pale faced, black haired prince, he has a slight darker twinge, red hair. Okay. How could you not love that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Just let that, just kind of let that swirly mind. The first few minutes of this movie are them trying to invite the seven doors to their wedding and typical something or other, the, the great animal, for lack of a better term, attacks. <laughs> and they get separated. And they have to, and instead of Snow White getting captured, it's the prince who gets captured. She has to go save him. I guess she goes, tries to enlist the help of the seven doors, come to find out, they are now a subsidiary and moved out of the cottage that they lived in, move and are setting up shop in another castle somewhere. Gentrification. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> this is exactly what gentrification is. <laughs> See, that was one of my two jokes. I could have I gone gentrification or I could have gone, your dwarves are in another castle, but I decided to go with the topical reference. Oh, Thank you, but your doors are, oh, God, I you should have used both. We're going to use both. We're keeping both in. Audience, take your pick. We're keeping both. What's funny, though, about, about these sort of off-brand sequels is that you still do mm-hmm. see that nowadays. Like, I mean, hey, as someone who's once shelved Transmorphers DVDs, oh, God. you still do see the, you know, the canon films oeuvre yes. and other such copycats. The, like, movies that exist for grandmas to buy them for their kids because, hey, it's that movie you like, and no, it's not. Right. But what's different back then is that a lot of these movies, like I remember Happily Ever After having TV commercials, mm-hmm. having like yes! you know, billboard ads, and they were pushing it as this feminist parable, this idea of, oh, mm-hmm. now Snow White's the hero. Now she's going to save right. her prince. And it's like, even looking at it, you're like, it's it's not quite right. You know, the paint's coming off a little bit. Yeah. And there's a bit of a wonky wheel at the back. So you got to kind of rip that Band-Aid off because when you're a girl in a family of boys and you're trying to like make yourself like differentiate between them knowing you are a girl and you actually being cool enough to hang with your male cousins, that's kind of what I saw it as. So when I saw this movie, it didn't really resonate with me the way I thought it would. But after watching it a few more times, I used to sit there and be like, oh, this is cool. And I think I really liked it because... Filmation has an animation style that is interesting. And when I say interesting, (laughs) sometimes it's, 
Okay, so we've all seen that meme of He-Man in his head tilting back and laughing. Yes. There's actually a scene of that in here. It's not He-Man, but it is in this movie. Hey, sell it costs <laughs> money. You can, you can draw over that and use it again. Exactly. Exactly. And this is another thing. Like They reuse a lot of the animation, and they try to make it look fun and interesting. And it is, but for this particular movie and this setup... They could have did a lot less, and nobody would have noticed. <laughs> what I also liked about this is the seven Dorfell characters. They have one again, an amazing voice cast, which I'm not too sure why they got the characters to play who they were gonna play, which is kind of weird. But they got Carol Channing, Jaja Gabor, Tracy Ullman. Wow. What the hell? So Tracy Ullman actually plays this really small Dorfell. Her name is Thunderella. She's in charge of Thunder and Lightning, per her name. Which, by the way, if that is not already somebody's roller derby name, I will eat my hat. Oh, I will. Look, that better be somebody's roller derby name. I will fight them. <laughs> I Look, you have to have this name somehow. If not, I'm taking it. It's all yours. I will claim that. Thank you. I appreciate it. There's this really nice song that she sings when she's trying to, like, get her actual thunder powers to work. And I was watching the movie earlier this week and I'm like, oh, I remember this song. Cause I remember you sing, like singing to it when I was a kid. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. I remember all these scenes coming back to me. And I just remember how much fun the actual Dorfell characters were versus the actual story of Snow White and her prince, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> And I think that's what I really liked most about this movie. Like, honestly, guys, you can see it on YouTube. It's it's really short. You can pretty much judge for yourself. Like, this was one of the ones that was like, this is cute. But as I got older, I really took off the rose-colored glasses. Like, this is really bad. <laughs> like, really bad. <laughs> Things when you were a kid, you don't differentiate as much. Like, my little sister, one of her favorite movies growing up was The Princess and the Goblin, which... Oh, I remember that one. It's one thing oh. to have your movie have songs in it. It's a separate thing to be like, okay, well, songs are good things and goblins are bad things, so goblins are hurt by singing. It's another thing entirely to have mm -hmm. your character fight the goblins by singing one song over yeah. and over and over. It's like one verse. And it's this big soaring like ballad number. And it's just like like you could have taken those scenes of those goblins rolling around holding their ears and just like inserted mm -hmm. teenage Lucas as his, like younger sister is watching this <laughs> over and over and over again. And there's nowhere in the house where you can go where you can't hear that goddamn song. You know what it is? What? It's the song that doesn't end. And it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And now they'll, they'll be singing it forever. Singing it forever just because. just because. There you go. Congratulations, everyone. You're going to sing that song until the day you die. <laughs> it's, someone can go and auto-tune that, and I'll drop it in at the end of the episode. Oh, wait. Please and thank you. That's the power of the earworm. Please, yes. I was talking with my friend Alex because I've just started listening to the Adventure Zone podcast. And there's uh -huh. a little jingle okay. in that, because it's a D&D &D podcast. And there's a jingle for yeah. their fantasy Costco. It's fantasy uh -huh. Costco, where all your dreams come true. Got a deal for you. Do, 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 do. And it's just like you, oh, I was sitting at work, just like working on a spreadsheet, and I was humming it to myself. I'm like, what am I humming? Did I, does someone have a radio? And I'm just like, fantasy Costco, where all just, ah, oh. Great. I'm going to have that in my head all day. If somebody catches you doing it, there is no <laughs> way to avoid saying, oh, hey, it's, yeah, it's not from a commercial. 
It's not from an actual Costco ad. It's from a D&D podcast by the McElroy brothers. And yeah. there's Garfield, the Deals Warlock. And look, look, it's too much. I'm, I'm, just, I'm going to go make coffee. Just, just forget it's, we had it's, this conversation. It's one too many. <laughs> it's literally one too many. Yeah. My mom let us pick up two tapes. Well, we got as many as we want, but these were the ones that I would buy on repeat. So the second one was Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. So there's actually a funny story about this one. When I was younger, my mom used to take me to this hairdresser that my aunt knew. And I would get my hair, you know, flat ironed and pressed out. And there was this guy who would be selling videotapes. Now, this is how you know this is early 80s, late 90s stuff. Selling videotapes mm-hmm. in, in a duffel bag. And he had this one tape. Yes, VHS tape. And it said Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, hmm, I like Pinocchio. I didn't know they made a sequel. So my mom bought it. It cost like five bucks. Took it home. I watched it. I love this movie. This is literally one of the movies I still have on VHS. And when I say I still have it on VHS, I went on eBay. I looked for this tape. I bought it. I don't care <laughs> if it does. It's literally out of print. You can't find any copies anywhere. I bought this tape because it was one of the ones that I fell in love with. And there were so many good scenes in this movie that I could not I could not have. I think I wore out the two tapes my mom originally bought for us. They were dead after like so many viewings. <laughs> and <laughs> and I like this particular movie over the Snow White one. Because the songs in the Pinocchio movie were so good. Like, so the premise is it's one year after Pinocchio was turned into a real boy. And him and Geppetto are celebrating. Here's the funny thing about this movie. So Geppetto is played by Tom Bosley. <laughs> and <laughs> Why? Because, reason. Why Tom Bosley? <laughs> Y'all had so a condo to pay off Tom Bosley. I mean, somebody, dude, I don't know how they got him. They have Geppetto played by Tom Bosley. Yeah. They had a Jiminy Cricket wannabe called Willikers played by Don Knotts. <laughs> let that sink in. Give, I'm let that sink in. Okay. Oh, God. Pinocchio yeah. before, is before, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I got I to gotta yeah. segue a little Go. bit. I'm Go. just like, oh. When you wish upon a star. <laughs> I, oh my God, I tell you, hearing oh Don God. Knotts as this fake ass, like Jiminy Cricket, I'm just like, this movie is weird, and I think I love it. <laughs> and then, All right, go ahead. And then, go ahead. Power through, power through. I'm, just, I'm trying, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Pinocchio, you ready for this? I'm ready. Pinocchio is played by Scott Grimes. You know Scott Grimes. Steve Smith on American Dad? No. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> this is literally I had I had to look it up cuz I couldn't remember. I'm like Scott Grimes, Scott Grimes. I know that name. I'm like holy shit, it's Steve. <laughs> it's Steve Smith as this bootleg ass Pinocchio. What the absolute fuck? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I can't I'm sorry this movie just I love this movie so much it's scary how much I appreciate as an adult watching this movie again and being like this is creepy it's one year later and you know they're celebrating and it's all this good stuff mind you they don't have any of the other characters in this so there's no Figaro there's no Cleo but he does have a bird named Alouette 
I'm like, so you really just trying to differentiate this between Disney and what you guys have done. I can see why you went defunct, but it's fine. <laughs> I let it slide. Yeah, there's only so many clips of rocks breaking and falling on He-Man that you can sell before you run out of money. It really is. There's the scene where the blue fairy, who is actually blue, not blonde hair, blue eyes, and a blue dress, and she comes in, she's celebrating with them, and she sings this song, Love is the Light Inside Your Heart. And I'll never forget this song because the video that goes with it is amazing. This is where all the budget went into because I think this was one of the last films that they actually produced this company before it went under. And it shows because a lot of the scenes that they produced are gorgeously done. Like the budget just went all into this. They're like, screw it. If we're going out, we're going out big. The musical numbers are great. The coloring is great. There's this one scene, and I'll never forget it. To this day, creeps me out. So Pinocchio is taking this jewel box to the mayor's house and gets basically bamboozled by this raccoon and an ape played by Frank Walker, because why not? Frank Walker and Ed Asner, excuse me, because <laughs> apparently you can't have one without the other. <laughs> Swear to God, they're like the John Ratzenberger of filmation. You can't have one without the other. <laughs> and he gets faked out into trading the jewel box for this fake ruby. He goes back home. His father has a fit and the kid runs away. He runs away to this puppet show where this guy, Puppetino, has a, a girl puppet named Twinkle. This is like a part where another song do what makes you happy, which is another good song. These songs are amazing. This is this is it. This is my this is my movie. After the song plays, he kind of like falls in love with this puppet. I'm like, I understand you used to be a puppet too, but what do you think is going to happen? Like puppet loving is not a real thing, and if it is, I don't want to know. Don't do not Google puppet loving. I swear to God, I will scream. You you were saying what's gonna happen, and my first thought before I could stop myself was splinters, and <laughs> and my second thought was that bit in Team America. Yes. And that's all we're gonna say about that. Oh dear God, I can't. My brain. Oh my brain. Quick, where's the bleach? Get it out. Get it out. <laughs> After they do this second number, Puppetino invites Pinocchio back and he he says he remembers a puppet called Pinocchio and he basically just outs himself he's like I'm not a puppet anymore I'm real like my fairy godmother turned me into a real boy he tricks him into basically somehow reverting back to a puppet and let me tell you if you get a chance just look up this scene it's so creepy he makes him dance with the you know I'm forgetting the name of it but it's like that music box that the like somebody would turn and a monkey would dance for him. Oh, like an organ grinder's box, yeah. Yeah, organ grinder. Thank you. And the scene is just so dark and it's scary because you see all these puppets looking at him saying, it kind of is like saying, oh my God, this is what happened to us. He turned this organ and we all reverted back into puppets. And the scene alone, like Puppetino coming with the wood to basically put him back on the strings is so scary because you see him reverting back from human to puppet. Like his knees turn into wood, his arms turn into wood, his face starts turning back into wood until that last scene where he says, I didn't know he stops talking and he starts crying. I'm like, what did I just watch? Oh, wow. Why can't I not unsee that? It's, oh my God. The way I'm describing it is it doesn't do it justice. But this is another movie that's on YouTube. You gotta watch it. It's really good, 
but creepy. I'm thinking I'm going to have to because I think I've conflated it in my head in that way that you do when you think back to like stuff you saw when you were a kid. Because yeah. I remember watching, there were a couple of Care Bears movies. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of My Little Pony movies. Mm-hmm. And I think before one of those, there was a trailer for Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night. Because when I went to think back, yeah. I was picturing No Heart from the Care Bears as the yeah. villain. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and then mm-hmm. I looked up the poster, and the poster looks a lot like like the Care Bears movie, and it's got a rainbow and little birds and stuff, yes. and a square, and yes. then the text in rainbow. That's it. With some mistral ass font down the bottom of it for Emperor of the Night. Yes. Right, that came straight out of the MS Paint font pack. I have fond memories of that. It shown up did. We're lucky we didn't get any wingdings below it or some zap chancery. Hey, it, it could have been Comic Sans. <laughs> no. No one has time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go and check this out because there are a number of mm-hmm. animated movies, especially some of these off-brand ones mm-hmm. that are, or uh, I should stop saying off-brand, sort of non-Don Bluth, non-Disney ones. Is the way I think yes. about it. And it's like you look at some of them, and they have some of the scariest stuff. Like I don't know if anyone remembers, we're back, a dinosaur story. Oh my god, I love that movie. Because <laughs> the death in the, of the villain of that is that he gets eaten by crows. And that he has a literal <laughs> screw for an eye. Yeah. And then he's eaten until there's nothing left but the screw. And then a crow comes down and picks it up in its beak and looks at the camera and flies away. And I went, oh, shit. Oh, shit. They ate him up. Yeah. They ate him all the way up. Yeah. They ate him good. <laughs> it's like that scene in Trolls too. They're eating him. And then they're going to eat me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I've <laughs> so much. No no more popcorn. No more. (laughs) Here's another fun part. Towards the end of the movie, they meet the Emperor of the Night. Guess who they got to play the Emperor? I am on purpose not looking. Thinking of the time, I would say somebody like, like uh, off the top of my head, if I'm like fantasy casting this this thing, I'd be saying like a Tony J or like a Derek Jacoby, like somebody with some like presence to their voice. But I bet it's not going to be that. Oh. They got somebody with their presence. It wasn't Tim. James Earl Jones. Oh, excellent. Is the Emperor of the Night. The man for whom subwoofers were made. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) This movie is probably the best thing I've seen because everything is better with James Earl Jones in it. I don't care what anyone says. I will fight them on this. (laughs) That is excellent. Right? Like, this, honestly, I think this is the movie that I'm going to actually try to find a converter Mm. and get my VHS converted to DVD somehow. Because my kids need to see this. Whenever I decide to spawn children, I'm like, no, we are having a movie night and we are watching this movie. You're going to be traumatized the same way mommy was. (laughs) Get off your phone. This is important. Get off your phone. This is important. We are having family movie night and we are watching the movie that scarred me for life. (laughs) Deal with it. You gotta fucking deal with it. <laughs> I'll do the same, but I'll do it with 86 Transformers the movie. Oh. And I'll like watch my kids get crushed as Optimus Prime dies. <laughs> and tell them, no, he does not come back. Because, hey, that's that's the way it should be. <laughs> Another movie that messed me up as a kid. Good God. Yeah, and that was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. And I've recounted this moment on the show, but I'll say it again anyway. It wasn't when Optimus Prime died. It was when Prowl died. Because when Prowl dies, he gets shot through through the middle, and his eyes go black, and smoke pours out of his mouth, and he falls over all gray and shatters. And I was like, <gasps> too much. 
that opening massacre really got for like that got me too because we have like we have it on blu-ray and we were watching like me and my husband were watching it i'm like this is still traumatizing even i am an adult why am i still like affected by this and that's really why i like animation because you don't have to worry about seeing a lot of gore and violence to have something affect you in a way where 30 years later it still resonates in you like i will never forget this scene like i i think i can remember where I was when I watched certain episodes of TV shows or just remembering where like certain parts of movies growing up that really just either messed me up or I thought this was really good. I like I want to keep this in the back of my mind. And what I really like about Filmation and what they did is even though it wasn't Disney, it's not Don Blues, it wasn't like Emblem or anything like that, it was a small company. And because it was in-housed, a lot of their stuff, it made it more important. It made it fun to watch, you know, because who doesn't like She-Ra? Who doesn't like He-Man, you know? Who doesn't remember Brave Star, for lack of a better term, you know? These are the types of shows that really sat in people's memories. And people rem- and while you don't know the company that made it, you know that art style. You know that type of animation. You know the the voice actors who worked on the show. And that's what I really like about this particular company. And it hurts that they're not in business anymore, but I have made it my sworn duty to find as many of the shows as possible and keep them in my collection. That's a great thing because for all that we joke about, you know, Tom Bosley needing to put another wing on his house or whatever. Right. But a lot of these uh, animated movies were like a second lease on life for a lot of those 70s TV stars where it's like, you see people like, what would Phyllis Diller have been doing in 1987 if not voicing a dwarf hell? Right. Dom DeLuise being able to, I'm sure, put his kids through college with the amount of bit parts in Mel Brooks movies and animated voiceover work he did. Right. And so it's like, it's, it's this whole secondary industry. And I think that's great. And speaking of Brave Star, I still remember the fact that Brave Star was the only TV show brave enough to have their very special Say No to Drugs episode kill the kid doing drugs. Thank you. Oh, my God. Spin? Oh, Oh my God. Can I tell you? Oh, yeah. I love this episode. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm so glad you remember this episode because people look at me like, I'm nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody seems to remember that a child died in a cartoon. No one. Them little red pills, man. They'll get you. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's not even like, oh, you know, oh, it's a fantasy drug. It's taking him over to the dark side. Like he had like vein. What? He had bloodshot veins in his eyes mm-hmm. and was like tripping balls. And the episode ends with Brave Star visiting his grave. Say no to drugs, kids. Like that last <laughs> scene where he's where his friend played by Susan Blue, who I love. R.C. More than anything, she's another one of my favorite voice actors. Yes, Susan, don't ever leave us. Like we need to form a prayer circle around her. <laughs> <laughs> but like that scene of the friend going into the the clubhouse, taking Brave Star there, and showing him like you gotta help my friend, you gotta help my friend. I think he's been taking the spin, and they find him there, his body on. They and they never show the body, but his they find him there, his arm laid limp. The kid goes in and faints. I'm like, what just happened? And then he goes in and checks and he's like, you got to call the doctor. I'm like, yeah, the doctor's not going to save this kid. I'm like, did they just kill a kid in a cartoon? Holy shit, this is brutal. <laughs> and it was probably the best special episode ever done in animation. And I will 
I and I stand by that because they did what no other TV show would ever do, and they actually showed the consequences of drug abuse, and I like that. Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue can eat a dick. The doesn't count. Episode was better. It doesn't count. <laughs> and I and don't get me wrong, I like Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue, but they didn't kill a kid. <laughs> Brave Star took that step and murdered a child. <laughs> And on that, and on that incredible note, I think we'll start wrapping it up. So, Artley, if people wanted to find your stuff on the internet, where would they go? I'm all over Twitter. I am at the only Artley. Artley spelled A R T L E E. I also have a blog, World of Television. Television spelled T E L L E E V I S O N. It's at television.wordpress.com. It's kind of stagnant right now due to me trying to keep up with all the new, latest, and greatest animation things. So look for it soon, I hope. But that's mostly where you can find me Twitter and my blog. All right, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This was an absolute blast and i look forward to whenever i remember some random cartoon thing uh which i do a lot long-term listeners will know i remember crap like this uh, i will hit you up on twitter yeah, that is, definitely i will answer any questions anyone may have all right thanks arlie no problem <laughs> Thank you to Artley Vasquez for her time. When I asked Artley for her signature cocktail, she recommended something with Baja Tequila or Bailey's Irish Cream. Now, I know Baja Tequila as Baja Rosa as it was sold in Canada, which is a strawberry cream-based liqueur with a tequila base. Unfortunately, they don't sell it in Australia, so I wasn't able to get my hands on it. So any hopes I had of revisiting my high school mistakes is unfortunately stymied by Australia's lack of strawberry tequila-based liqueurs. Instead, I've gone with Bailey's Irish Cream, and rather than going with a chocolate or milk-based drink, I've decided to go in a different direction. And so I present the Thunderella. Layer the following ingredients over the back of a spoon into a cocktail glass. Make sure they're in this order too. One ounce of amaretto, one ounce of Bailey's Irish cream, and one ounce of cognac. For my version, I've used Cointreau Noir, which is an orange liqueur with a very strong cognac base. It adds a little extra something to the drink, but it would go just as nice with Courvoisier or even a little Hennessy, go nuts. This drink has surprising depth with orange and cherry notes, and if the moon can light up the night, well, I can do that too. Enjoy. The Math of You is recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, 
and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. You can follow the show on Twitter at themathofyou, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, and Lokified82 on Snapchat. If you'd like to directly support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash and pledge as little as a dollar a month, or whatever you feel you want to. Rewards include early access to the show, cursive tweets, and thanks on the air. And folks, we've got a big list this week. So thank you to, in no particular order, CM, Jojo Seams, Sophie Brookover, Catherine Van Arendonk, The Genrealization Podcast, thanks Alex, Remancel, Kate, Fenella, Cecilia, and Heather Miller. You are all absolute shining stars, but no less so than people who support in a non-monetary fashion by either retweeting the show when I post it, telling a friend, or giving us that nice five-star rating on iTunes. If you want to go in and write a review, I'll even read it out on the show. Won't that be nice? Also, I'm just going to throw it in there. If you know someone you think would be a fantastic guest for the math of you, give them a heads up on Twitter, or send them an email, or just connect me with them in any way. I'd love to hear from you. If you like the music I play on the show, there's a Spotify playlist for that. You can go to bit.ly slash themathofyou with capitals at the beginning of each word and find our Spotify playlist. I update it every week with all the music I use in the show, including this song. It's Let's Light It Up, AJ Lee's old theme from when she was with WWE. Unfortunately, you won't find Hit Em High from Space Jam because that's not on Spotify because we live in a cold, uncaring universe. That's not true. Just licensing deals are a thing, I guess. Next week, I'll be talking to podcaster Chris Rowling, host of Well-Worn Grooves and All Your Kayfabe Friends, about Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. Join me, won't you? And then when we're ready to start the conversation proper, oh, wow, I just realized there's a guy, like, ripping stuff off the house next door so every once in a while there'll be a bang smash it's like wonderful wonderful oh. <laughs> yesterday oh man yeah yesterday they were uh, ripping these big ceramic tiles off the roof and like dropping mm-hmm. them from like one story up into like a metal dumpster from mm-hmm. 7 a.m so it was just like like gunshots going off next door the nice thing was I... that there were because thing is we were at the end of a two-week holiday and so we were we were uh-huh. god damn it you hear that <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. Uh, so you need just, they just don't they? yeah. Um, so yeah, we were at the end of like a two and a half week long holiday at Marrickville, which is where I used to used to live. And sorry, mm-hmm. drill just started. I mm-hmm. cannot believe this. Uh, so Marrickville, where I used to live. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, there's a plane. Can you hear that? I can hear it. Yeah, the plane. Lane. I'm sorry, I had to get that in. <laughs> no, you appreciate it. If nobody does a Fantasy Island joke, I'll be damned. <laughs> you have to get at least one in. It was funny because she's like, have you started yet? I'm like, no, no, just be a sec. So she's like, I'm just going to like, you know, grab some toast and like get a drink. And I'm like, oh, yeah, do your thing. And all I, like, I wasn't looking, so I was setting up the mic. And all I hear is step, 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 glug, 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 boom, crash. <laughs> and I look over, she's got this guilty look on her face. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, it's okay, we're not recording yet. <laughs> and if you hear in the distance... What? I hear puppies. <gasps> yeah, that's Junior. 
That's uh, he's, yeah. He's just come in from a, we took him out for a walk this morning, and so uh-huh. um, so that way he'd be tired out before we did the podcast. Because there have been hey, a couple buddy. where like halfway through the intro, I'll be like, "So what do you do?" And this person will be like, "Well, I barf." <laughs> it's like, oh, dear. yeah. He's oh. He, he's a little dog, but he makes a lot of noise. I understand. He's the the bane of delivery people who come to bring food to our house. Eh, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like my neighbors. <laughs> it's bad over here too because, like, the way my building's set up, because I'm on the first floor of an apartment building, I hear all the rushing water from everyone upstairs. I'm like, oh, great! So it could be like, like two in the morning. I'm in a deep sleep. Next thing I know, I hear rushing water. I'm like, I was asleep. Like, Why hey, am I up? I don't understand this. <laughs> like, hey, Bob's awake. That's cool. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Right? Exactly. I'm like, oh. Like, thank you. Must be, you must have just got home from work. Awesome. <laughs> That's okay. I have no filter. Oh, what's the uh, language content on here? I tend to have a, a bit of a sailor's mouth sometimes. <laughs> swear, swear all you fucking want. <laughs> oh, fucking awesome. Okay, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually snowing. Or it was snowing what? earlier today. Oh. Yeah. It's March, and we have that really... You know, you ever watch that episode of The Simpsons? It's like one of the tree, tree, uh, treehouse of horror, and Homer is touching the furnace. He's like, "Stupid smarch weather." That's what it feels like. <laughs> That's exactly what I said when I left. Like, "Stupid smarch weather." <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was uh, when I was living in Ottawa. We had a calendar, mm-hmm. me and my me and my roommate, and it was up on the fridge, and I didn't realize until he had changed it because he used to watch Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL. And so he changed February to Febtober and he changed March to Smarch. Nice. Yes. Because that's what you have to do sometimes. Yeah. And what's funny is that uh, because my work gives out calendars at the end mm-hmm. of the year, it's like, oh, hey, you know, here's your, your office calendar. And I always bring it home and put it up in the kitchen. And it took me until February to realize that the February dates are completely wrong. Like, oh. you get through, it's one of those calendars where Saturday and Sunday is on one day, and so it's only uh-huh. six squares across, and so you get to Saturday, oh. Sunday, and it's like six, seven, and then you go to the Monday, and they've labeled that as six, and the Tuesday is seven, and mm-hmm. then there's no eight or nine, and it's a uh, ten, and then there are two twenty seconds and two twenty thirds, and I'm just looking at it going, like, uh, we're a printing company, what is wrong with this? I was going to say, we got fired for that. <laughs> That's, like somebody has to get fired for that. Yeah, and I actually had to go through with the sharpie and just like write in the right days. And I'm like, I really shouldn't have oh. to do this for thing, something I got as a gift. It's so funny because yeah. I work IT and I know that feeling. I'm like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to tell computer science teachers how to work a machine? What What is my life? My crusty brand calculator doesn't have a seven or an eight. Or an eight. <laughs> <laughs> Every so often, I would randomly scream out, everybody on campus is getting Etch-a-Sketches and, t- and Speaking Spells. That is it. I am on. Etch-a-Sketch, Speaking Spell. You do not deserve technology if you can't use it properly. With great power comes great responsibility. Your ass is getting an abacus for Secret Santa. You are getting... Oh, my God. I said that to one of my coworkers. I'm like, they are getting abacuses. I don't care. Shoot me. This is dumb. This is dumb and wrong, and I'll have no part of it. <laughs> Oh, you had fun with no rules. All the toys you could ask for. Fame and stardom. Well, every dream has come true. 